1: Thank you, Matthew Arter. Welcome back. It's another week, another show. Thank you for downloading and pressing play. This week, Ken Reed returns to the show. Ken Reed, your TV guidance counselor and mine, an amazing podcaster, and he outputs so much other types of content. We talk about it on the show. You know I love anytime he is on the show. I still kind of fanboy a little bit about it, so <laughs> just always thrilled when he's here. Now, we got a little bit of housekeeping I got to do. Want to welcome a new Tutti Fruity? I want to welcome Pepe. The accent is on the second E, P-E-P-E, accent. So, it is not Pepe. It is Pepe. Hey Pepe, this is your official shout-out. Pepe, joining the Patreon, gets this official shout-out, as well as first access, to the entire catalog of TV talkaholics. There's over two years of them, by the way, FYI. And uh, you also get exclusive weekly extras and outtakes that nobody else ever will get to hear ever, ever in the history of time going forward. Now, Pepe, I'm sorry it took me so long, but uh, happily, I've been banking some shows ahead. So you joined a while ago, and now this is the first time I'm actually getting to publicly give you the shout-out. So, dear listeners, please belatedly join me in welcoming Pepe to the family. Second bit of business to cover is, uh, remember we were talking about weather over our heads in that final appearance was the real set or a makeshift half-assed version of the set. Well, I did do a little bit of an analysis, if you recall. Tutti Fruity Peter B. had pointed uh, out the initial concept to me, and then we had a little bit of a back and forth. Well, uh, I ended up making a video with visual aids and everything to explain my side of the argument and to back up my hypothesis and claim as to what I think is going on here. So that video will be on this episode's webpage. You just got to click that Go to webpage thing in your podcatcher, or just go to facethefactspod.com, where you find all of that extra stuff. Now, are we ready to move on to this week? Ken Reed joined me and Matthew in watching Season 9, Episode 17, called Let's Face the Music, and it had an original air date of February 13th of 1988. Are we ready to jump on in? Let's Face the Facts with Ken Reed. Welcome back to the show, Ken Reed. Thank you for having me. Is this the third time this year? It might be the third time this year, but I was going to ask you. We we posed this last time and I didn't do my research. This time I did. Do you know what number appearance this makes for you on this show now? Seventh? Dude, right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Did the math. math. Man. But yeah, this is uh, where it's mid-December that we're recording this. And it's like, yeah, I think this is the third time this year we've had you on because we're getting down to the wire, getting down to the end. We want to get you uh, in on as many episodes as we can. I'll make an appearance for every season. (laughs) Nine total. You got two left. Even though... There is no more over our heads. They have officially closed okay. it. They
2: replaced it with Pippa, and I'm fine with that.
1: Uh, true, you're one of the you're you're at the Pippa pep rally. Is a uh, Pippa maniac? Pippa maniac? Piptomaniac? <laughs> P- no, that's it doesn't right. work. Pipto-bismol. Uh, that's me. My... <laughs> that's a real banger. So, uh, so always thrilled to have you back and you even dressed up for us. You're wearing a really fabulous, not just an ugly Christmas sweater, an ugly Christmas sweater with pink flamingos
2: on it, like Florida. It's Florida related. I have this one and then I actually have a, I I didn't think to bring it down, but I actually have a divine pink flamingos Christmas sweater.
1: Oh, oh, would love to see that. It's real good. That's great.
0: I'm just hoping you're not wearing anything else.
2: Well, you'll, you'll, maybe you'll find out. Ooh. <laughs> see how good this appearance goes. Get
1: mm. a couple of more eggnogs in them, and we'll see I how do, it goes. I
2: do want to reiterate it is very cold in here.
1: It is. Oh, you said before it's cold. <laughs> what, is, what is the weather?
2: Uh, it, it's not as bad as it has been, but it's like raining. We're supposed to get a snowstorm A nor'easter tomorrow. Uh-huh. It's so like so, in the so, 30s. It's a little windy. Frigid. It's a little nippy.
1: Ugh. Yeah, we had a, a, a day with a lot of cloud cover, so it was only in the 70s very, today. Very sorry for your loss. Yeah, we're, <laughs> we're like, it should be lower than that. It's been in the 80s, and we're very pissed off about it. Ugh, I'm cranky. Oh, that's okay. Well, Matthew, let's get you uncranky by talking about this episode of The Facts of Life. That ain't gonna do it. (laughs) (laughs) Season 9, episode 17, Let's Face the Music. Oh, that almost sounds like the title of an awesome podcast. But Let's Face the Music from February 13th of 1988. Well... Not a Valentine's episode. <laughs> and, and not a Valentine's episode by any stretch of the imagination. Though the dude at the end is being kind of flirty with Joe when he thinks she's Blair. There is a little kind of weird. Who hasn't done that? I mean, granted. I mean, yeah. Uh, guilty on all charges, your honor. Well, general thoughts about the episode. I will say uh, not my favorite. It's a small
2: episode. I'll say that. It's it's the, it's the maybe the least ambitious episode of the entire season.
1: But I will also go on record saying it does have a narrative device that we have never ever used before and will not use again in that at the end of the episode, when they're imagining what the musical act could be, we have these two brief cutaway, hmm, I wonder what that would be. Not a fantasy sequence, not a projected future or a nightmare this is just a us all collectively speculating
2: yeah like a secret life of walter mitty
1: Uh, mass delusion yeah exactly (laughs) yeah maybe golden oldies i mean that was when you were here last
2: yeah they're like they're like little uh golden old bite-sized golden oldie appetizers instead of the whole the whole thing
1: well that's it and that it's not the whole episode we've experienced that but the fact that there's just this little cutaway cutaway that you know wonder what that would be like and we have to assume that they all collectively had the same thought the same analysis and perception yeah. but but anyway and then
2: tootie doesn't know how to play a guitar, and and they're punk rockers but they have bad costume shop wigs on <laughs> like that's what they're saying to each other
1: yeah it's it, it's very very weird and completely unique to this episode so i guess it has that it's uh, also
2: one of the more cli- like in a in a season no effects no, of life has had all the cliche sitcom episodes every know, one of the, them you know, trapped in an elevator, like all of them. Um, This has the most sitcom y feeling, A and B plot. Like the, the, or there's almost a C plot too. Like the, the mix up at the hair salon is so like sub Lucy kind of yeah. terrible sitcom thing. And then the, the, the fundraiser is basically like the boss is coming
1: to dinner plot. Mm hmm. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. And what could go wrong? Oh, everything. Right. Well, you're actually kind of already starting to do it, Ken. So while we're talking about a plot, B plot and C plot, uh, this is the time of the show where we put our guest on the spot. And we ask you if you would please provide a one to two sentence synopsis of the entire episode. Not unlike one might read in a TV guide. Blair and
2: Joe swap places as they worry about finding a musical act for the uh, Routine Center, whatever it is, Community Center's fundraiser.
1: This is why you are the TV guidance counselor, <laughs> Ken. You are the lie. master.
2: So, yeah, let's make the big
1: bucks. <laughs> as as Dana Gould says, that that <clears throat> dumb truck of podcast money backs its way up the driveway yep. every month. Yeah. <laughs> fan. Fantastic. Matthew, your general thoughts. You're being a little quiet there. I'm only
0: going to say this. It's not directed at anybody here, (laughs) but um, there are a lot of accents in this episode that we had to suffer through once. And if I have to suffer through them again, I will throw this laptop into the lagoon.
1: (laughs) So that was Matthew's kind, and I'm putting kind in air quotes. Kind way of saying, David, please do not mimic the Australian but, accents
0: or the French
1: accents
0: or the
2: or, Brooklyn fake French accents or the Brooklyn, Brooklyn
1: accent. Yep. No. Okay.
2: okay. did you did you recognize who was playing the Brooklyn accented? Oh. French guy?
1: Yes, yes. We will get to him. Okay. Let's 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 save it. Let's save something for the for for as we go through this chronologically.
0: Jesus can. I don't know if you know how podcasts work, but you can't <laughs> I've never done one before. You can't just jump jump around. <laughs> it, it,
1: there's, there's sometimes a, there's a we jump around. There are times it's not linear. There's a structure. It has a structure and it must be followed. And the next part of the structure is nuts and bolts. God damn it. So the episode was written by Phil Doran and Douglas Arango. It took two people to write this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, they I are- feel like
2: one of them unwrote it, like he pulled it back a little bit. <laughs> <laughs>
1: mr doran and mr arango are writing partners um they both came on board as supervising producers last season as far as writing this is the fifth of five episodes that they would write so this is this, their last this one killed their career <laughs> it did this
2: killed their writing career
1: uh-huh last season he wrote the little chill where's papa and sixty-two pickup, Ken.
2: Yeah, and the little chill is—is is, I really like the little chill. That's when the old first-season girls come back.
1: Yeah, I like half of it. The other half of it is so upsetting when they're yeah. like, "This is Joe Polnicek. She lives with us now." You've met her before.
2: Yeah. How dare you? Okay, she's very forget forgettable. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is Joe. She's the reason all of you were fired. Yeah. <laughs>
1: But she saved the fucking show because you all were mm-hmm. friggin' anchors. Uh, but then those are the three they wrote last season. This season, they wrote two, Sweet Charity, and Let's Face the Music, this one. And the episode was directed by old, reliable John Boab.
2: How phoning it in do you think he is at this point in the show? Like, Do you oh, think
0: he's even conscious during the tapings? I don't think he's even there. No, I don't think so. It's like a cardboard cutout. Even they haven't
1: I even think made that. The AG is in charge. Yeah, the first time, the one where Natalie lost her virginity, they used their. Uh, I think is it called associate director, Marion Deaton. Oh yeah, you wonder. Yeah. If it wasn't like mary would you just tell the girls where the fuck to stand and where the cameras need to go yeah i'm
2: imagining boab's kind of a a, a, all great and powerful was their Oz at this point they're like no he's in the booth he's (laughs) in there and he told me to tell you (laughs) You no he's really there
1: i swear it amazing okay ready to go through the episode now let's do it we start in the living room there is suddenly a gigantic amplifier in in the room just there like like it's always been there and andy has an electric guitar which apparently he can play
2: not really it's a te- he's playing a telecaster which wouldn't sound like that first of all
1: okay <laughs> it wouldn't
2: be a heavy metal guitar that's okay. that's that's your first mistake there and it's in the 80s and and you would think they would have got like a real 80s looking heavy metal guitar but instead they get like a Bruce Springsteen telecaster which is just wrong
1: Oh, okay. Thank you for that. <laughs> you would be the authority on this because you were part of a punk band I back was. in your your misled youth. I'm yes, surrounded by guitars.
2: Um, have you ever done any sort of analysis on how many episodes like start in what room? Because I feel like the majority start in the living room.
1: Uh, nowadays, they do, especially because <clears throat> you realize "Over Our Heads" only appeared once this entire season to close it to close it uh we talked about when we had paul vote on the show for mrs garrett's wedding at one point he said does everything happen in the living room (laughs) because it was true we're like we were shocked that they actually went out to the winnebago and had the wedding at the campground because he was pretty convinced from part one with the nightmare sequence and all that stuff, that everything happens in the living room. And... Yeah, they
2: don't even go upstairs anymore. Like, when's the last time they went upstairs? Have they yeah. gone upstairs this whole season?
1: Uh, but they have, <laughs> yes. We do go upstairs a few times. And uh, though it does upset me that oftentimes they go upstairs and they go up to that first landing and go off to the left, the left side of your screen. That's Beverly Ann's bedroom. Yeah. That's where yeah. Mrs. Garrett's bedroom was. And yet everybody, you see them coming in and out and going to and from there. Like it's nothing. And it's like, girls, we know y'all's bedroom is one more landing up. You got to go. Where the fuck are you going?
2: Have you ever seen a photo of the backstage what it looks like up there? No, I, I have. Let's <gasps> see if I can find it. Dude. Um, yeah. Because I also have the ones from uh, just the 10 of us because they would often take the continuity photos right before the person was supposed to enter. The state the scene. oh yeah so they snapped polaroid and it's shocking it's basically a ladder that they climb up and then like right off camera it's just like a plywood landing <laughs> like it looks like oh, i believe it looks yeah. like a corner of a home depot so i'm wondering if like they just didn't have the ladder on the other side anymore or something like that
1: well, and it's just easier because, I mean, if you go all the way up there, you do got to come all the way the fuck down. Yeah, so yeah. I'm sure it was just like, just go off the side there. We're just going to pretend that that is there. No one in 30 years
2: is going to do a, a podcast about this where they, <laughs> where they look at which direction people go in. Don't worry about it. I'm John Boab.
1: <laughs> I'll tell them to exit where the fuck I want. Yeah. I'm the god of this show.
0: I directed a shitty revival of MAME. Mame. <laughs>
1: oh, no. so we've got this guitar and the playing and uh we talk about the middle-aged vaudevillian writers so many times rock music is loud and it doesn't yeah. sound like music and it's annoying jokes it's a love
2: song right but yeah. it's all i hate your guts and i'm gonna murder you
1: isn't that <laughs> <Yeah>. funny <laughs> Yeah, there was one in a different episode where it's like, what did you think of the rock concert? Well, it was crazy. After the lead singer ate his guitar. Ah, (laughs) Those crazy rock concerts. Yeah, that's so funny. But Andy is pitching a song to Pippa for her to sing in her band, because apparently Pippa is in a band now. Of course. Okay. Do we want to say the name of the band? does she say the name of the band
2: yes what is the name of the band the witches of eastland
1: oh come on <laughs> Yeah, I, I forgot i meant to write that down that's pretty awesome
2: come on it's the most 1988 joke yeah. <laughs> possibly it's probably the best joke in the whole episode
1: yeah so then we get uh, Blair and Joe and Tootie and Natalie. I In my notes, I forgot how we get them there. But anyhow.
2: Also, sorry to interrupt you, but now I want to see a band called the, the
1: Bitches of Madison County. <laughs> <laughs> but they have to be from Iowa. Yeah. And Iowa is not known for its <laughs> output of punk bands. <laughs> well, it's time to change that. Yeah, that's true. Uh, My best friend is from Iowa. I'll tell him to call some family members and get on that.
2: Get on the corn horn. (laughs) That's what they call it, right? (laughs) The phone. And they call that in Iowa.
1: (laughs) So speaking of Witches of Eastwick being a a very 1988 reference, uh, at one point when Blair is telling the girls how happy she is, that she's been in touch with this gentleman named Sergio Mm. of the Golden Mirror Spa. And he's going to be doing a fund matching thing for the big fundraiser happening at the community center. When it's asked, wait a minute, who's this Sergio guy? And this is when Natalie goes into a Robin Leach impression from yes. Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous. Well,
0: she goes into a Dana Carvey as Robin yes.
1: Leach impression. Dude, get out of my brain. Yep, Get mm. out of my brain because what, tell us, tell us what was the punchline? In-
0: including the I'm yelling and I don't know, don't know why. why. I uh, mean, both NBC
2: shows, maybe it's okay for you to rip off jokes.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I mean, this is, I mean, Dana Carvey started in 86 on the Dana mean He's already huge. He's, you know, SNL's in its comeback phase now. So that is a direct, that's not like that's some obscure joke that no one's heard. Dana Carvey is fairly well-known at this point. Well, I
2: will say every Dana Carvey impression, every single person he does an impression of, when anybody does an impression of that person, they're always doing Dana Carvey's impression of it. Just like when, whenever Catherine O'Hara would do um, uh, Catherine Hepburn, Mm -hmm. she does Martin Short's
1: impression of Catherine Hepburn. (laughs) Yes, exactly. (laughs) And uh, who was it? Is it... Is it Dana that said that at one point he met Bill Hader and Bill Hader said to Dana Gould, you know, when I'm doing Vincent Price, I'm doing you doing Vincent Price. Yeah,
2: yeah, of course he is.
1: Because Dana, Dana Gould's Vincent Price is amazing. And again, I love when I talk with you, Ken, and I can just throw out Dana because he's your friend. Because yeah. <laughs> it's just dropping the name Dana, you know, Carvey, Gould, whatever. We're all friends. Had I done the Halloween episode before the last time we chatted or was that after? Yours? Yeah, yeah, when I did on. We were here. Um, I talked about your um, your shorts that you put out. It was, oh, it yeah. was right around October. We did yeah, discuss yeah. that you had put out 31 fucking shorts, dude. Yeah, that, that was you know, so that was insane. insane.
0: How yeah. long did you wear the shorts before you put them out?
2: Um, <laughs> Well, it'd be about 24 mm. hours. There's one, one pair a day.
0: Mm.
1: Yeah, that's, yeah. Not, that's not long it, enough.
2: It's not that hot in that
1: time of year so there's no. and then matthew's next question did you put them into ziploc bags after and roll are all in the freezer and dated signed and dated <laughs> and and what would the cost be to acquire one of these i took them to a notary <laughs> <laughs> so the big deal is that this dude this rich dude is going to match the funds for the fundraiser he has invited all of them to go to his spa for a full treatment and the girls are like yes absolutely
0: have you ever been to a spa i've never been to a spa i feel like it would creep me out thank you <sighs> it i cannot have my personal space in va- i don't need it does not relax me the no. idea of having a stranger it's opposite my naked body yeah yeah I'm in that's my not... head the whole time tickly feet tickly feet don't touch my feet oh my god too yeah. close to my butthole oh god <laughs> <Yeah>. okay okay <laughs> Or That's just, just even
1: butthole.
2: like or just even like, what are you doing? What's happening? Yeah. Because it's like it's almost like the anxiety you have at the dentist, like it, when you don't know because eventually you get the routine, you you're oh, now comes this partner, but you're like, What's what is what does that thing do? What's the yeah. ah, like I just yeah, I don't
0: know.
1: So you neither of you has ever had a massage. No,
0: no. nope, not <gasps> once. Oh I tell God. them when I get a pedicure, I tell them I don't want the foot massage. Don't do that to me.
2: Wow, like, uh, that's uh,
0: the best part.
2: My dad like, always goes and gets that little like fish thing with
1: the fish. No, yeah.
0: no. But I, I'm not about
1: to no. So I, I'm with Joe. Unfortunately, you've, you've, if you've seen too many porns that misrepresent this uh typically when you're doing a massage they've got sheets over your body they're reaching under the sheets they don't touch any of your no-no place
2: wait are you going to a hasidic massage (laughs) (laughs) no
1: no. and then like when it's like okay it's time for you to turn over literally they they hold up just the sheet to make sure it doesn't slip out of the way so you're covered the whole time like there's modesty and if you really, really have a problem with it, you can keep your underwear on. They're not gonna give you a problem They
2: don't, about they don't go. I insist.
1: Yeah, exactly. I'm yeah. just gonna slide <laughs> these off right now.
2: It really won't work.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so the idea that you know we've seen other other types of uh, film representations where just laying there, buck ass naked, broad daylight, and oh look, got a boner. What are you gonna do with that? It doesn't happen. Believe me, I've tried. Slight tangent again.
2: I used to love to read the police log in Somerville when I lived there in Somerville, Massachusetts. Who doesn't? And uh, it, amazing. And constantly, <laughs> uh, the cops were arresting people at massage parlors. And they would always mention, and this was so specific, and I don't know why they put this in all the listings. They'd go, uh, police read uh, that this massage, found out about this massage parlor on <laughs> rubmaps.com. And they were, it was like they were sponsored by this site called rubmaps.com like there was no reason for them to include the url of the site that they would find out about these things in. and every week it was in there I was like why
1: wow but joe's reticence to attend the spa here's the deal it's not when you're at the spa, it's not like you have a team of people doing 50,000 things. A spa is a place where you make an appointment for a facial or for a pedicure or to get your hair cut or your makeup done. Yeah, but done. not if the
2: owner is inviting you and you're getting the full the the full treatment with the wheel wax and all the things, you know.
1: But it's still a la carte. The fact is Joe could have just gone and said, "Fine, let him trim my hair." Let him paint my face because, you know, I don't know how to wear makeup anyway, being a <clears throat> a manly woman. Uh, so the fact is, it's, it's a la carte. It's not like, well, you show up to the spa and you get the treatments, whether you want them or not. And it, with the final line of the uh, scene, Joe going, OK, I'll go with you, but nobody's going to wax my anything. Yeah. No, Joe, they're not because if you don't request that service, it's not going to happen, dear. I thought
0: it was awkward because everybody in the room now knows that like Joe has full bush now (laughs) down there.
2: I mean, I come on though. We all kind of assume that,
0: right? Uh, Come on.
1: 1988. Yeah. That was it. It looks like
0: she's got a macrame owl between
1: her legs. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, yeah, I mean, 1988. Body hair wise was still very much the 70s, wasn't it?
2: I don't think this is humanly possible, but the the word rattan comes to mind.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And there's a rat living in that rattan. It's so thick.
2: Yeah. But I was like when people are in like robes with like the, the, you know, like a towel on their head and stuff like I don't want to be around people like that.
1: Look, again, the services, it's, I've not, fam- and I know that like, if you go with a bunch of friends, you can find a room where you're all getting your pedicures done together. Like there can be kind of this spa party thing, but the hell kind of friends are those? Uh, well, women's gross. Women go to the bathroom together. So
0: yeah. And, and talk while they're shitting. I don't <laughs> understand. I'd like a stranger
2: to rub me down, but I really like my best friends there too. And have to, that, watch, have to them as well. Yeah.
1: But uh-uh. that's the thing is that whenever I've I've gone to a spa with my sister, and we've gotten massages, and it's like okay, I'm going off to this room with this therapist, and you're going off there, and then we reconvene after. It's compare notes. I don't, <laughs> yeah, compare notes. I don't know if other than like you know the movie The Women, where you just have these you know gaggles of, of women assembled in a room where they're all being worked on simultaneously. Uh, that's just not been my experience. Here's but. my second Wizard
2: of Oz reference of the episode. I just imagine it's like at the end of Wizard of Oz when all the they're like restuffing the scarecrow and like buffing, you know, <laughs> this tin that man is exactly what I wrote down was, when yeah, they yes. could
0: follow follow <laughs> Tootie in. I was like, Jesus, should they be singing clip Tra-la-la. that was insane. Ken, it's like we're dating.
1: It's true. So then the next scene, we're still in the living room. It is later the same day. Pippa and her band are there. Andy is helping with the gigantic amplifiers. We have two guitarists, only one of whom speaks. So only one of whom was paid a decent day rate. There is a drummer and Pippa is apparently going to be the vocalist. But the guitarist that does the talking, the blonde chick, is Tuesday, Tuesday night. night. K-N-I-G-H-T Who now, I've met K-
2: What? Yeah, I have Oh, I don't have it in the room I have autographed um uh, records that she did Because she's she's in Nightmare on Elm Street Part 4 Yes uh, The Dream Master in 1988 And she actually wrote and recorded the theme song to that Nightmare on Elm Street movie And I have She, she gave me a single of that signed to me uh, And I have her album that she put out in 1987 Which is actually a pretty good 80s pop
1: record I was listening to it also. I, I did pull it up on Apple Music. And it has kind of a wanting to be Madonna kind of a sound. Yeah, it's, a, it's almost
2: freestyle, but it's like a little dance poppy.
1: Yeah. yeah, a lot of like drum a, machine yeah. stuff going on. To me, it sounded a lot like like early Madonna. Sure. And if you're a female pop star in 1988, why wouldn't you try to go that route? That you'd be crazy not to. And then there's the drummer, Hannah Coutrona. And uh, she is, it's really weird because her career only spans from 82 to 92 and has 20 credits in those 10 years, which is pretty good. Uh, and it says she was a regular on the series Sister Kate from oh, 89 yeah. to 90 for 19 episodes. What was Sister yeah. Kate, oh, candy? God, I remember Sister Kate.
2: It was, it was about orphans. It was, and the sister was played by um, English actress...
0: Stephanie Beecham. Stephanie
2: Beecham. That's right. Stephanie Beecham. Oh, okay. Um, who I also almost had on the show. Uh, Stephanie Beecham played this like acerbic, no nonsense nun who uh, was the matriarch of this home of orphans, including Jason Priestley, I believe, if memory serves. Uh, and, you know, they were always getting into trouble and they were all, like a mixed race and various ages. And yeah, it was only one season. It was paired up with a show that. Starred uh, uh Dan Aykroyd as oh. a, a a motorcycle driving priest.
1: Oh geez. Yep. Uh
2: and uh that also wasn't very popular. But yeah, that was they were trying to do the comedy or nothing's funnier than orphans and nuns, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, clergy comedy, never not funny. Uh, it's funny because again, eighty nine to ninety, that was my senior year of college. So yeah, I that would was, not have I was, a show for you. I was literally not watching network television at that point. So we get a little bit with Beverly Ann walking by the amplifier, just as someone strums the guitar, and it's like, Whoa, rock music's loud. Very little Beverly Ann in this episode. If you're if you're a big
2: Cloris Leachman fan, she is in like a half a scene.
1: Yeah. However. If you are a big Sherry Austin fan like Ken Reed, you get a lot of Pippa. And when she comes in in her quote unquote performance outfit, it's like, oh, okay, well, this is very, very form fitting, isn't it?
2: She's basically wearing Raquel Welch's outfit from uh, Myra Breckenridge. Oh <laughs> like my comb, God, you're I mean, right. Like, it's the exact outfit from like iconic outfit of, I, I don't know if that was on purpose, but it's like pretty much the exact same outfit, which is weirdly specific.
1: Well, it's red, white, and blue with stars and stripes. I guess the thing is, she's trying to go for an American look. Like right. she has a cowboy hat on. Yeah, it's, boots and everything. Yeah, boots and stuff like that. I feel a little creepy commenting
2: on it now because I think she's like 17 in this. I think um, she is
1: 17 also. But I
2: was like seven. So, uh, you know, at the time. Yeah. So it, but she it, it
1: literally looks like a bathing suit with a skirt attached to it. Yeah. And Barbara, so right? it's very, yeah. So it's very, very form fitting and revealing. But it is also, it does look kind of drum majorette or. You know, it's a it, little
2: Dallas cowboy cheerleaders.
1: Yeah. But, but not even that sexy, even though it is form fitting, it still has like a toddlers in tiaras. There's a beauty pageant vibe to it. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like that's what she'd wear in her talent portion. So there,
2: something should have been twirled.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so the girls are not impressed with this look Tuesday night, particularly her character's name is Amy. Uh, she is of the group. I think. I believe the term would be she's the bitch, or
2: just the creative core. <laughs> she's. Thank you. She's. There's some vision. Vandy Richards. Yeah. You know.
1: Like she goes. That outfit you're wearing. I have one thing to say. Uh, as she's yeah. pretending to throw up and stick her finger down her throat. I took. Issue,
0: and I'm sorry because like this is where we find out like Pippa's like I'm trying to make friends with these girls why are you in a band that you are not friends How with does these that people? <laughs> they don't like you obviously and and you're in a punk band and you know what punk is from the first when Andy's like here's a good song she's like it's not punk enough is it and and then you show up in that what Come yeah. on, like I would because see, and that's the thing about like looking at like TV shows, like those girls are dressed like the girls in the El DeBarge episode that are like, We are we have a, a, a mailing list that uh, called What We're Up To, and it's what we're <laughs> up to. Like, they're all dressed like Catholics, like, they're not dressed like punk no. rockers. in this, it would have been funnier if she had walked in with her hair done up, and the girls would be like, uh, Yeah, it went too far, okay. like,
1: Yeah, dial it back. Yeah, she
2: should be dressed. Um, like Kelly LeBrock in Weird Science when she goes to visit yes. Gary's parents. Like, that should be the outfit yes. that she has on there. And I'm not just saying that as some sort of weird fan fiction. Um, <laughs> but but there is a good joke earlier in the episode, like, in, when we first see Pippa and Andy and they leave the scene, he goes, oh, let's go to the pet store and get you some jewelry. Like, they, they yeah. should have paid that off. Like, that actually would have yeah. been accurate.
1: hmm True
2: but it's it's uh the song's not that bad as far as like fake punk rock songs go in in shows and i've seen a lot of them (laughs) (laughs) yeah this one isn't the worst i've ever seen um but yeah this band does not make sense
0: she sings they don't they sing bad girls in trouble isn't that a real song no
1: not that, that was aware written of. for this? Was that a, a Ray Colcord original I think then? It's a
2: regu- I don't think it was written for this. Although like in the Kate and Alley episode where um, Kate's daughter uh, starts a band, she just sings tube songs for some reason. <laughs> they, keep <talking> to, <laughs> they keep singing One in a Million Girl and Talk to You Later. <laughs> I don't know why they're only singing tube songs. Well,
1: it didn't Did you- occur to me to look this up, but I mean, it could have been a Tuesday Night song. It could have been yeah, a Hannah Katrona. Yeah, was,
2: was writing when- songs at this time.
1: Is when they had uh, Michael Damien on as Flyman. He does rock Remember? on, doesn't he? He sings, uh, she's from a different world. How I long to get her into my... And that's on his record. That's a Michael Damien original. And oddly, <laughs> oddly he's, not, uh, he's not credited with the song in the episode. By the way, on the checkout counter, what was it? Yesterday, Matthew, or the day before? I texted you a picture. Young and the Restless casting casting alert, Michael Damien to return. Michael Damien back he's gonna be going back to the soap. Rock on Michael Damien. I mean, so yeah. And Summer joke, of 1989
2: is just in my brain, and that's the year after this, is just rock on and bat dance.
1: Yeah. Like literally his only his one hit wonder hits.
2: And it's a cover.
1: Yeah. It, it, oh, it is even. Yeah, rock <laughs> so, on's a cover, yeah if it wasn't on the Broadway stage, then <laughs> I I don't know much about bad girls in
2: trouble. Never on Broadway stage. Yeah. It um, was not,
1: not saying that it shouldn't be great title. Yeah. And John she, Boab could direct it. Just I, saying. Uh,
2: Pippa again, the, the Australian fascination we had in the late eighties, um, you know, the Yahoo serious, but I did a video. I don't know if you saw it about Jocko, the uh, Australian rules football player who was the energizer. Uh, oh, Oh him. Yeah. And he put out a, a, a punk rock song in Australia in 1988 called I'm an individual. And I encourage you to watch the video for that uh, because it will make you appreciate bad girls in trouble a little bit more <laughs> uh, was a big hit. I'm an individual. Uh, oh, I'll, I'll find
1: it. I'll put it on, I'll put it on the, the webpage for this. I'll find it yeah. on YouTube then. So that's pretty much it. It's just that, uh, uh, when they sing Bad Girls in Trouble, uh Tootie and Natalie, by the way, if you're watching the syndicated version on Daily Motion, they cut the part where Tootie and Natalie come down the stairs and are t- uh, supposed to be leaving to go to the spa. But Pippa says, stick around and listen to the song. And then the song happens and they're like, <laughs> we're out of here. Yeah. Well, that doesn't happen. We don't ever see that end of the couch, but when they start singing the song. There's this moment of like, oh wait, t- have Tootie and Natalie been sitting there the whole time? It looks like they're very. It looks like the the
2: band is very rudely like Tootie and Natalie are trying to just like watch TV and <laughs> they're just like playing their song. And it's like,
1: what are you doing? Well, and why are they worse? If if you other bitches are the ones that are the the artists with the band, why is Pippa not going to their garage? Or why aren't they in their garage that we know they now have that wasn't right. there in previous seasons? nobody rehearses in a living room (laughs) thank you thank you unless they were going to be using the piano
2: which they're not no there's one musical instrument in that room all the time and they're not using (laughs) it when they're rehearsing with their bands
1: oh god so true yeah why would you rehearse in a living room they were just trying to give them a chance
0: to to give a squiz to their yeah. band all bands deserve a
2: squiz but <laughs> the living room is not the place for squizzing
1: yeah yep mm-hmm. acoustics are not nearly as good as you find in the garage that's why the garage band is a thing the living room band is not
2: have you ever seen uh, slumber party massacre part Two?
1: Oh, how did i miss that <laughs> well i you couldn't because i don't remember part one and i I'm... don't think i'd follow the narrative and
2: I'm telling you 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 <laughs> I recommend you watch this film but it stars Crystal Bernard and her she has an all-girl rock band and of course it, 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 does. it was from the same year and it it's that's what the band should be like is the beginning of Slumber Party Massacre 2. Slumber Party Massacre 2 is like a parody of slasher movies and it was directed and written by women and the slasher is like an Elvis guy with a guitar with a giant drill on the end. Like it's just all phallic, like ridiculousness and there's full on musical numbers in it. It's, it's a very underrated, that should be a stage musical forget oh. nine to five slumber party. Massacre 2. get that up <laughs> on a stage,
1: man. Okay. Well, I'd have to add that to the pile of, yep. of Ken endorsed shows and <laughs> movies that I have hundreds. I need to see at this point. Um, So uh, I will more quickly encapsulate the following scene. We go to the Golden Mirror Spa. It is very high end and fancy. They are greeted by a dude named Wayne. Later, there is another dude named Andre. And uh, the girls are treated at the spa. Joe is not happy. Joe is still not having a good time. And she basically tries to leave. And then Blair says, let them at least do your hair. Okay, that's fine.
2: As someone who's been to spas, how does this stack up as a high-end spa? Is what? it
1: believably high-end? I, I can't say. Again, there's so much activity. It looks like more like a hair salon. I mean, a yeah. hair salon's where you have multiple chairs and multiple things going on. But you know, again, at a spa nowadays, particularly, everything is just monochromatic clean lines aromatherapy some asian music playing in the background like you know the the aesthetic has changed dramatically uh i i had not been to a spot at this point in my life so i can't tell you other than they make it look fancy it's it's fine for i think i think it
0: looks like what hollywood wants People to believe a high-end spot. Yeah, it's like look the like. beauty school dropout scene of Grease, just <laughs> yeah. slightly like, like the high-end restaurant in It's a yes. Like, yeah, you know what I mean. Like a less fun uh, Earth Girls Are Easy. Spa. Oh,
1: <laughs> there you go. Earth Girls Are Easy. God, that's a fun movie.
2: Um. Yeah, so it, it certainly doesn't look high end to me. If you had three hair covered aliens, you could not make them look like Jim Carrey, Damon Wayans and and uh, Jeff Goldblum in this salon. <laughs> yeah,
1: maybe not. Maybe not. But uh, the deal is the guys playing Wayne and Andre uh, are actually kind of famous, only we don't realize they're famous. So, Ken, you know something about people. Do you know who do you want to talk about first? Andre? Andre's the only one that I recognized, uh-huh. but I
2: recognized him immediately, and it's John Cassier, who at this time people would know as the winner of Star Search '87 in <laughs> the stand-up comedy realm, but he went on to be the voice of the crypt keeper on Tales from the Crypt. Uh, he's also a lunatic. <laughs> oh, have you met him? Oh yeah, he does a lot of conventions and stuff, and he's a
1: real strange guy. <laughs> wow. So I recognized the other guy, but I was like, where do I know him from? The other guy playing the part of Wayne, the one that we see more of, uh, he's credited as Peter Mark. But then I saw when I looked him up at Peter Mark Jacobson, immediately one recognizes that as being one of the creators of The Nanny. Ah, okay. Not just the creator of The Nanny, but married to Fran Drescher at the time. So that's Fran Drescher's husband at the time of this episode or at the time of the nanny at the time of the nanny in 90 nanny was 93 to 99.
2: Yep. Both of these guys go, you know, I would like to be in this business, but not in front of the camera anymore.
1: (laughs) Yes. This, this probably ended those, those front of camera careers for them. But then of course the story is that you also will recognize Peter Mark Jacobson is one of the producers of happily divorced, the subsequent series that Fran Drescher did on TV land about a husband and wife who divorced and remained friends because he is gay. Also autobiographical. That happened a lot.
2: <laughs> that was very common practice at the time.
1: Yeah. And the joke you talked about before is that these two guys speak in French accents because you know French accents are the height of she, she fanfoness. Oh, yeah. How much, remember in the early seasons, how many times Blair would throw French into her speech because, oh, Blair's a rich person. Rich people say, oh, contraire, and all that shit. Ooh la la. Yeah. But then, as soon as they're having trouble with Joe not wanting to accept the treatments that they're offering her when they go off to an aside talking the two of them, not only do they talk, In non French accents, they talk in full on New York, like Brooklyn accents, and to the point where, as they say, Okay, do we have a game plan? You're going to take care of her. I do this. Okay, good. They actually say, Bada bing, bada boom. It's a little, little gilding
2: the lily there. Wow. (laughs) I will say, there was a, in addition to America's obsession with Australia in the late 80s, there was a a more uh, obsessive, um, uh, obsessive uh approach to ritziness ritziness with french things mm. like i remember there was like the everything was like uh le, like le cruzette and like perrier yeah, yeah that's it was, true it was like, was like, Ooh.
1: yeah le car wasn't that renault yeah renault yes. made le car yeah yeah that was it you're right there was a the thing going on it was just like ugh, gray poupon that's where we go to commercial is when it's like, okay, we'll take the treatment, blah, blah, blah. And Joe's gonna stay. A lot happens in this episode. Jesus. But it's a time, lot to go. At the
2: same time, nothing happens. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Nothing sensible or worthwhile happens. Anyway, when we come back from commercial, there's another chunk cut from syndication. It's another little stint with the the punk band in the living room. Assuming, can you watch the DVDs? Of course. As we did. So that scene is, oh, (laughs) yep. That's what we all got. Yep. The box set, man. So the band is just leaving the living room. And Pippa says to uh, to Tuesday there, I was thinking, and she's like, you're not here to think. There's only one lead witch, and that's me. You don't like it? Get your own band. Yeah, it's like but Pippa, and we have this coming up, by the way, in the future episode where they have the party, where they lose Tootie's grandmother's necklace or Jeff's yep. grandmother's necklace they gave Tootie. That's another thing. It's it's that same thing of Pippa being, ah, I'm just trying to make friends. I don't have any friends because no one likes you, Pippa. Go home. She's stealing friends from Americans. Maybe if you slept and lived in the boarding school with your peers, like all of the others do, what the fuck are you doing living with Beverly Ann? And the to the point where Beverly Ann <laughs> hired a contractor and created a bedroom for Andy, necessary, needed. Yeah, absolutely. You adopted but, him another another bedroom for this bitch who just showed up at our doorstep and it's like it's a residential boarding school here's what i would argue though
2: both those bedrooms are for andy you understand what i'm saying see
0: what i'm saying here no no, no. <laughs> explain it in graphic detail
2: I just think Beverly Ann's like, here's your room and here's the room for your girlfriend so that you don't have to leave ever.
1: Oh. Like, if you're going to drink, do it in my house. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Sure, I could see Beverly Ann doing that. So when we come back from syndication, the point where we come back from commercial break in the Daily Motion uh, version, in the Daily Motion version is where Tootie comes home in the door. And this is the big parade of, kind of transformation. Yeah. To the point where Tootie comes in and poses. She's now gorgeous, made up in a cocktail dress. And after a comment is made and she comments back and she steps to the side and then Natalie walks in. So was Natalie just standing there outside the door? Yeah, she was waiting for her cue. (laughs) It's so stupid.
2: That's not how you enter living rooms with your friends. It's also when I, whenever I've been a goon that uh, fights on behalf of an evil person, I always attack uh, the hero one at a time. One at a time, yeah. yeah take your thing. turns, I yeah. Walk That's into a room one at a time.
1: Smart strategy, yeah. I mean, we are homosexuals, Ken, and even we don't make entrances. Like <laughs> fucking the RuPaul's Drag Race season premiere.
2: Well, how would you decide who went first? Exactly. <laughs>
1: But I mean Tootie does look gorgeous in this red dress with the with the black ruching accentuating her waist uh strapless and I mean red looks great on her her hair's all up She's stacked she is I mean <laughs> but the the proportions of the dress really make it's her body look It's a look classic cut. It's sort great. of a,
2: it's sort of a Blade Runner neo noir 80s yeah. 40s thing going on.
1: Yeah, but with that 50s thing too with the big full petticoated skirt kind of a thing uh yeah great look for tootie and then natalie comes in wearing a, a a pretty blouse and wearing like a black bathrobe over it yeah it's kind of like a floor-length jacket kind of a you know callback to b arthur as Maud. but i mean and it doesn't look bad it's just one of those like oh that that doesn't really do anything for Mindy Cohn. And Mindy Cohn is fairly slender at this yeah. stage of her life. It looks
2: like someone wanted to go home early. Like they were like, all right, we got the blouse. You know what? I don't know, dude, Just put that on. <laughs> so then we have the entrance of, of Joe.
1: Joe. Joe coming in where the big wackety-schmackety is. They mixed up the hair color for her and Blair. And so Joe now has blonde hair.
0: Big
2: blonde hair.
1: Much bigger big than blonde- Blair's. <laughs> bigger than blair's and i have to say considering we know this is a wig there's no way it's not a wig it looks like a wig it is actually a fairly good representation of what nancy mckeon's hairstyle and cut was during this maybe with some extra poofing up and styling but it is blonde and
2: she kind of works as a blonde like i wouldn't think with her coloring it would totally work but it doesn't look completely crazy
1: It's supposed to be Blair's hair color accidentally was put on Joe. It's not Blair's shade. Definitely. But this is a little less brassy and it does look good. And the the choice of dress. And here's the other thing. We went away to a spa for a beauty day. Who
2: gives you dresses?
1: Thank you. No spa has a fucking rack of clothes. Even I know
2: that. And I've never been to a spa.
1: (laughs) But Joe has got this stunning Black form-fitting kind of a velvety thing, one shoulder, yep. puffy sleeve on the one long sleeve, and even she comments on it, saying something to the effect of, "Well, yeah, now I got to go to this thing tonight, looking like Pia Zadora." That is exactly who she looks like. Yeah, funeral prom, uh, <laughs> Pia Zadora. <laughs> but I mean, at this stage, was was had Pia made her comeback in the late '80s? When she did she just her singing a, career?
2: Well. So her husband bought that award for her, what, in 82? I think so. And then she started singing, and she's in Hairspray in 90 or 89. So it was around then when she started doing the- Yeah. Yeah, she plays- Yeah. It's around this time.
1: So it is around this time that she's reinvented as kind of, you know, the singer, the nightclub, the singer and stuff like that. So this is kind of the look. This is how she looked when she went on The Tonight Show and sang, and Johnny Carson was like- you, you have talent. I, I wasn't, no, nobody prepared me for this. We were going to actually just sit here and make fun of you. Uh, so I, I think that's the perfect way to describe it. But then the big punchline is, so Joe, if your hair color got mixed up with Blair's, what happened to Blair? And in she comes, wackity schmackity, the one who wanted to do the spa worst more than anybody. And her hair is green. Again, oh, whoa. They're recycling different strokes plot lines here. Well, yeah, uh, Brady the, Bunch. Brady
2: Bunch. Hi. But I mean, same, same uh,
1: universe. Yes, exactly. <laughs> In universe ripoff. Yeah. So, and it's, it is so ridiculously fake looking. Like there is no way that, is blair's hair blair's hair could never look that style or that fake it yeah. just looks like fake ass hair it almost looks like the silver wig that she wore in golden oldies it is not the same wig from golden oldies this is a bigger hair there's more hair on it it's a little bit curly too a little more curl to it but it there's definitely more hair yeah it's I, I you couldn't say well did they trim the other no this is longer a little longer but again it looks so so fake like there's no way it's like i can't blame
2: them it's it's a it's a visual joke for two minutes of screen time that's
1: okay i i guess but again you can you can borrow things you could borrow a good but yeah because we never see it again after this we're just
0: but yeah and i'm all for the whimsy of an 80s sitcom but we're gonna pretend like this high-end Fifth Avenue Salon. Let her walk out of there with green right. hair, really. And they and like they they dyed Joe's hair and was like, and Joe wasn't like, wait, um, I'm not blonde. No, yeah, it didn't change I'm that way when she got home. Yeah. Why didn't they make Blair? I think Blair should have come in with Joe's hair color, and you you know what I mean. Yeah. that like, would they, make more they sense. Switch them up, but I get it. It's whimsical. It's a it's a gag. It's a sight gag. Yeah. But, it's just, okay, you're at a high-end salon. They un, they take the hairdryer off and it's green. They're like, ta-da! Yeah, like her, okay. her head's all
2: bandaged up, which she's like, mirror.
1: Yeah. <laughs> That's next week. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you're right that, you know, to to make a dark-haired person's hair lighter, you have to lift it, strip the color out of it, and then deposit the actual shade your hair will lift it will lift to orange and you have to keep lifting it lifting it until there's no orange left and it's and white she'd feel so, some
2: pain there like she'd notice some burning uh,
1: yeah maybe but the thing is it's like the the process of it should have been mm-hmm. noticed when they lifted Joe's hair right. that it was now white there's more it's steps. Like, wait a minute it's
2: not a one step there's more solution. steps and yeah.
1: then the common term you hear is a toner. They might, if they ever do bleach your hair or they highlight your hair and it's a little too highlighty, they'll be like, oh, I'm just going to put a little toner on this toner. Literally, it's just some color that tones it down.
2: What's the thing
1: where I get the shower cap
2: on and then they pull the hairs out through it?
1: <laughs> um, that would be a 1994 frost job.
2: Yeah, that's that's what I want.
1: Highlights. Yeah. That that's what you want? Yeah, I'd yeah. go for
2: that. I could I could pull that off, right? You could
1: totally. <laughs> it isn't until the turn of the millennium do we do the short, spiky hair, and then they put the color on the foil oh, yeah. and then rub the foil to get the like those Timberlake tips. Yep. Timberton. That's Timberton. <laughs> I played with those as a child. <laughs> <laughs> so we're at the center now, the fundraiser, the quote unquote final scene of the show. And uh Blair shows up looking like she's at a funeral she has a scarf covering the alleged green hair so thankfully we never have to see it again uh but she also has on a black hat I can't believe she didn't have dark sunglasses as well it's like a
2: Jackie O in mourning kind of look
1: yes exactly and she's also wearing this weird black dress that's not the typical Blair type of a black dress uh, not typical Lisa Welch, because she always, we know, likes things fitted to her waist. And I do have to pause a moment here. And I am so sorry. One of our faithful listeners, one of our fans wrote into me when we did the George Clooney episode, The Reunion. Remember when he was going to take Blair to the reunion and the last minute she had to bail? Yep. And then Joe mm-hmm. borrowed the other dress Blair was going to wear. The fan wrote and said, this dress looks like the dress that Lisa Welch wore in the future episode when her hair is green. And I was like, oh my God, is this the same dress? Well, I did check. I will post screen grabs on the website. It is not the same dress, but they are very similar. And it is 100% the same cut of a dress, which is why we said back then, uh, In again, did I say it was season seven, episode 17? Yeah back then so that's 2 years ago in the real world even then we went joe looks good in this dress i can't imagine this was a blair dress that yeah they're different sort of ever women. yeah well and just and different bodies that yeah. doesn't look like the and this is kind of like yeah and this is what that dress would have looked like on blair and it doesn't look good yeah. compared to so many other looks i mean it looks fine i'm not saying it's bad but anyway so whoever it is that wrote into me this was a long time ago when we were doing season seven, but uh, please uh, make a comment, leave a comment, make yourself known to me. And I'll happily give you credit that you did pose whether or not this was the same dress. And I always love a deep dive and a little bit of detective work. So. This
2: person is sitting next to their computer with headphones on with a long white beard now and like <laughs> cobwebs <laughs>
1: waiting, <laughs>
2: waiting for this.
1: Or they've been waiting for this episode to drop thinking, yeah. okay, this is it. This is the time they're going to mention. They're going to say, I'll
2: be redeemed.
1: No, sorry. Whoever you are, please make yourself known. I will happily give you credit. Um, so the difference in the dress is that the Joe dress, everything was sequined. All of the pattern of the, the foliage was sequined. In this Blair, only the stuff around the neckline is sequined. So that's how you can tell the difference. So earlier we had said that there was a string quartet that Joe was happy to have booked for this event. Well, Tootie shows up. Cause yeah, Tootie, why not have Tootie be the one to uh, bring this news that they're not showing up. Well, they got a better
2: him. offer. She booked them because Tootie's in that string quartet world. Cause when she came in earlier, yeah, she's like, I talked to the string quartet and she's like, what, like what, what swung them? And she's like a big check.
1: Oh, okay. It was okay. So it does make sense. It was Tutti. Thank you. Uh, But she says they got a better offer. Yeah. If you knew how often I don't show up for jobs and then later say, tell them I'm not going to be there. I got a better offer. Yeah,
2: string quartets, high demand. A lot of people are like, look, how much do I have to pay you to get you in at at this uh, office Christmas party today? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. That that youth center that you committed to and presumably have a contract with is is Mm -hmm. waiting on you,
1: but nope. This is Peak Skill, and you're the only string quartet. We've got to have you. Uh, So Tootie says she'll circulate and try to get as many donations as she can, since the people are not going to be happy when they learn there's no entertainment. So, but is, that,
2: is that how donations work? Like, are people like, I
1: thank you.
2: I only came here because I thought I was going to see a string quartet. And if I'm not, forget it.
0: And fund let's not even how fundraisers work. No. Like you, you charge a admission to the fund. It's just, was auction
2: or something or like in a string quartet. No. A string quartet is the least uh, performative mu- musical act that there can be. There's not like ladies and gentlemen, the string, yeah. like they're playing in the background. That's what a string quartet does.
1: Yeah. Uh, they They should have gotten flyman there and he could have, sung a concert of his songs at least it would have been a headliner straight from atlantic city cinnamon would have been better. oh my god yes cinnamon <laughs> totally
0: that would have been she's on tour with george clooney yeah. that's right
1: but they can't afford her but now cinnamon and flyman i smell another backdoor pilot opportunity <laughs> yeah. that got missed
0: emphasis on smell <laughs>
1: <Ugh>. <laughs> well then to further matthew your point you just made uh to reiterate that point this is where sergio pavan comes in now this is the dude that owns the salon we had met the guys that worked there with the fake accents now this is the owner guy the one who's making the big donation and matching the funds and uh we'll pause to talk about the actor warren burton is the name of the actor, 54 credits and a 43-year career, movies, TV shows, several soaps, voice work. But the big thing is, Sergio Pavan, we have the additional sitcom trope of, I'm looking for Blair Warner. Right. And Joe ends up stepping in. Well, because Blair is about to give him what for over her green hair. And before she has a chance to, Joe quickly jumps in and says, I'm Blair Warner. <laughs> it's me because I'm blonde and I'm Blair. Because right. he and, won't
2: stand for it if the other Blair doesn't show her hair.
1: Yeah, uh, she just doesn't want pi- to. The, the premise is she doesn't want to piss him off because it's like he's about to give us a lot of fucking right, money. Right. Shut up.
0: But is he? Because nobody's donating anything.
1: Yeah. Oh, but. So. Mm-mm. But the deal is. Then uh, we have the fun of Blair saying, "Well, I'm Joe Paulnachek, and I work here." And so now they're satirizing one another by pretending to be one another. A lot of sitcom lying. Oh yeah, Matthew loves Jeez, some this, sitcom this, lying. This is
2: some real Patty Duke show level stuff on this one here, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. and and it's it also who goes to a fundraiser right and hasn't decided if they're going to donate any money yet. That's <laughs> I'll it. Figure it out when I That's, get there. Maybe. Thank I don't you. Know. I'll take a look around, see if I think they deserve um, any money.
1: But this Sergio is the same thing. He's like, Well, I'm looking forward to making my gigantic donation. I just can't wait to see. He even says, A lot of people plan these events and think it's just socializing and serving some hors d'oeuvres. Oh, yeah. I can't wait to see the entertainment. Right.
2: And you have food.
1: Yeah.
0: But, yeah. the, the the guy that runs this high-end place on Fifth Avenue in New York goes to so many fundraisers where there's just no entertainment, no food. No food.
1: Yeah, yeah. that must suck to be him. Well, he goes to go sit down and take his seat because he is so excited for this entertainment. So now we've got all the girls together with this. Whoa, what, what are we, we going to do? do? There's no entertainment. If only one of us... Had a lounge act that we could actually perform in Atlantic City, yeah. When Mrs. Garrett goes off to fuck John Aston under the boardwalk. Do you know what I'm talking about, Ken? <laughs> Season no. six, episode oh, one, yes. Where yes, yes, yes Joe yes. miraculously is suddenly uh I a write piano, songs yeah. that make the whole
2: world see. I thought you were gonna talk about uh, Blair would go up and do some some ventriloquism.
1: <laughs> Uh, thank you. Even that. And Beverly Ann plays the piano. Yeah. That's why they have a piano. She brought the piano from Appleton, Wisconsin. And isn't Tootie a friggin' singer? No. Well, like, in the, <laughs> in the
2: mythology of the show. <laughs> yeah she could go up and perform the whiz for everybody or whatever they things. could have
1: thrown together their christmas pageant that they yes. did in the big house for prisoners that was a christmas show they had done two years prior yes and they still had ready to go at the quick that was when we learned mrs garrett played piano she had yeah. never ever sat at a piano before this episode came, well, that was which a was private thing for her she's five or six she's very so precious somebody, about she's about like that. Oh, I'm a concert pianist. <laughs> I learned while I was going to nursing school. I can only play songs from bordellos
2: from the 1800s. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so this whole thing of we have no entertainment and no possibility whatsoever. So this is where we go into these two little fantasy nugget things. Yeah. And, you know, I talk too much. Ken, let me let you, our guests, do some talking for for a little bit. Talk to us about these sequences. So the
2: first one is, is that is them playing string quartets and it's like an attempt to do like an absurdist sort of like, they were just really bad at it kind of thing. Um, but it's like a, it's, it's the closest thing to a modern joke. I think that the facts of life ever had (laughs) like, you know, that like, Oh, it's like anti-humor almost.
1: in that it's not funny yeah it goes on too long
2: you know it doesn't go on long enough to be funny again you know so that's the first one and then the second one it's like pippa's band and we get uh a reprise of bad girls in trouble except it's not pippa's band it's just pippa singing with all them who are now in her band for some reason
1: well, because the other girls kicked her out. She said that when they were like, Pippa, at one point they were that desperate. They're like, Pippa, could your band? She's like, Oh, they kicked me out. Yeah. I'm resisting the accent, Matthew. She says, They kicked me out. It, it, it wasn't Bonzo while I laid some shrimp on the Barbie and well, there's, bagged a wallaby.
2: There's that famous story when Charlie Watts referred to Mick Jagger as his singer, and Mick Jagger <gasps> beat the shit out of Charlie Watts and said, You're my fucking drummer. <laughs>
1: Oh my god. <laughs> but the first joke, like you said, it's kind of a non-joke. It's like, well, we don't have a string quartet, but there are four of us. Hmm. What <laughs> if four people <laughs> that
2: can't play instruments tried to play the instruments?
1: And so it's the four of them <laughs> yeah. pretending and dubbed in, they're they're not actually playing. Yeah. Dubbed in is bad string quartet music. And so it's like. So the the quote-unquote joke is, it would probably be bad. Yeah. It's real
2: college improv troupe level.
1: humor. Yeah. It's it's mercifully short. That is what I will credit whoever is responsible for saying, this doesn't need to go on any longer than this. But Bad Girls in Trouble, we get the whole song. We get solos by each of them. Including Tootie on the keytar. I love a keytar man. Yeah, there's
2: key, there's keys in this now. It's been fully uh, produced, and and a wide array
1: of instruments have been added to this song now. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh. Another thing in my notes: Where the fuck is Rick? Joe is dating a concert pianist who could oh, sit yeah. there and do an evening of Chopin and Tchaikovsky and really elevate the the fon factor of this night. By having this, you know, classically trained concert, pe- where the fuck is Ray? He's on some
2: boys' weekend with Paul Pervenza. You know, like, yeah, oh. <laughs> oh.
1: Thank- oh. they're off at Brokeback Mountain. Maybe. Talk about yeah. pianists. Mm. Mm. <laughs> I wish I oh. knew how to quit you. Mm.
0: Thank you for that
1: visual. <laughs> I just hope
0: one of them doesn't bottom after eating beans. That's the only (laughs) thing about Brokeback Mountain that I I took issue with.
1: (laughs) So all of the girls have some crazy costumes. We did ask Diana Eden about this, Ken, and we showed her a clip of it. And she literally said... I have no recollection of this <laughs> whatsoever for her own
2: sanity. I mean, she needed to go on and live her life after this. So it makes it's sense. It's true. Although she may not have anything to do with it. Cause it's, it's substandard. It is not up to her normal. Like this looks like last minute, uh, you well, know, big party costume shop garbage.
1: Well, Diana is a nice English girl raised in Canada broadway dancer tried to do film acting and then decided to go into costuming and she's she's forty forty eight 48 at this point so you have a 48 year old costumer having to come up with comedic comedically punk costumes i don't know what else she could have done it to me it was fine considering it was supposed to be uh, dressed
2: them like vixen i mean not a punk band but you know
1: Oh, okay.
0: Vixen, Edge of a Broken Heart, written by Richard Marx.
1: <laughs> okay. I mean, but again, maybe. again,
0: this, this is what Hollywood wants middle America to think. A punk rock band looks like in the 80s. Yes. Yeah. And so, mm, exactly. I get it. But I just loved Blair's work during this. Yeah. I thought Blair completely stole the Good headwork work with she- the wig. Good headwork with the wig and good drumming. Yeah, she's hitting the cymbal at the right time. She's sitting out like Tootie, who's just like ur, 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 ur. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> looks yeah. like looks like they gave Tracy Partridge a fucking key Yeah,
2: Tootie might as thing. well have had that thing on upside down and backwards, and it would have been yeah. more convincing.
1: Yeah. So, but Lisa, was... we've said, and she has said she loved anytime she could go crazy and really go outside the box. And do any of these crazy fantasy nightmare sequences so she's
2: going full animal like she's going animal, yes yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: she looks like she's on the muffin show and she is having a blast and so it did not surprise me at all to see her taking it that far and and yet fully supported not making a fool of herself she she's just perfection always and chloris
0: also on the keyboard was I believed she was playing it. Yeah, because Cloris actually plays. She had some sense of
1: how to fake that. Uh, I wasn't mad at her. So, Ken, earlier you had said, you know, who would have thought 30 years later, 30 something years later, we'd all be. Diana did say to us, she's like, if I had any idea that 35 years down the road I'd be asked questions, I might have paid more attention. Who would have thought the show would have had such longevity and lasting power, really?
0: Obviously not the people involved with making it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but uh, the good thing, and they also, they changed the hairstyles. They're all wearing various wigs yeah. and stuff. Uh, Joe's hair is still blonde. Blair's hair is still green. Well, she's in a punk pen. Yeah. But I mean, the fact is that if, gee, if we had to quickly pull together something tonight, right now, what would it look like? And lastly... We do need to, for Ken's sake, address how Pippa is dressed. The best I could do is she looks like Cyndi Lauper meets Carmen Miranda.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's perfect. I mean, if I were a single man and was putting uh, an ad on a dating website, that
0: would be how I would describe what I was looking for. (laughs) That's what you would look for on (laughs) rubmaps.com.
1: A Cyndi Lauper, Carmen Miranda type. Girls just want to have fruit. (laughs) so but we are at these two when we get to the bad girls in trouble like looking at the runtime we're like three minutes from the end we're like what the fuck how are they going to do and they do this really bizarre thing where joe says you know we should just tell them the truth that's what's going to happen well this is the lesson the lesson is you got to tell the truth about there not being entertainment don't tell the truth about i'm not blair warner and she's not joe paul we've been Lying to you about our identities. That's not the truth that we are seeking at this point. We've been
2: telling you a completely inconsequential lie for no reason. Uh,
1: Yeah, thank you. So she tells him there's no entertainment and he says, you're honest. I admire that honesty. I'm going to write you a check for $10,000. That's never happened to me. Well, uh, God knows I've tried, (laughs) but it's like, okay. But then he says, so did you have a good time at the spa? At which point Blair is about to let him have it again, and then she realizes he's just given them ten and ten thousand dollars in nineteen eighty-eight. That's 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 about like what? It's like
2: seven thousand dollars now.
1: It's a- <laughs> it's about- Thank
0: you for asking. Oh, Matthew, 20- did you look feel- it up? It's
1: twenty-five thousand one hundred
0: and sixty-five
1: dollars today. Why do you think wow. he looked it up? He
0: might just know. <laughs>
1: He's yeah, he's a bit of a savant when it comes to math as most actors. He puts are known the math in
2: Matthew. <laughs>
1: <laughs> wow. Okay. So with that, the Blair decides to hold her tongue because you know, money does roll. He's pledging a lot of money and she does own this place and Joe works there. so she decides nope, it's fine. No complaints. Great. So the final line of the episode, then I insist you come back and experience it all again next weekend. Whackety-schmackety-do. <laughs> Is it Sisyphus? That's one rolling the boulder up the hill? Sisyphus, yes. Yeah. Rolls the boulder and the, the eternal, yeah never never ending mm-hmm. struggle like it's a lot like watching season nine episodes of the facts of life see really. i
2: think they should have called the salon sisyphus because that sounds fancy Sisyphus, and then sisyphisticated, <laughs> sisyphisticated. Oh, sisyphisticated. sisyphisticated. <laughs> and uh yeah. and then that that joke would work a little better at the end
1: Oh, that would. But all the gay hairstylists that would be there, all the lisping things that they... I work at Sisyphus.
0: <laughs> or, or all the gays that are doing a podcast about this who have speech impediments. <laughs> <laughs> later, I'm grateful they didn't call it Sisyphus. Yeah, that's true.
1: <laughs> and so with that, the episode ends. And now, Matthew, yeah. would you like to take over and discuss this backdoor pilot
0: i kept watching it thinking what could this backdoor pilot be and i didn't know what it was i mean pippa and a punk band i don't want to watch anything with pippa
1: Pippa punk or it could be uh the spa and our characters of andre because it was called the golden mirror spa oh that even
2: sounds like a weird if
1: they had spun it off from the facts of life, it could have been facts of life, golden mirror, then golden girls. Mm-hmm. That would have been link uh, between the two. Huh? Mm-hmm. And then they could have had at some point, you know, like you do when you're in Miami, you pop up to go New York to get your hair cut, and Sophia could accidentally get a bikini wax or something. And, uh, I mean hilarity could have ensued. Walks
2: off. Yeah, yeah. Those you'd have those two characters that don't want anyone to find out they're actually from Brooklyn and they're doing French accents and they don't know. Oh, yeah. Um and the boss yeah, doesn't know and he thinks they're French and it's all craziness.
1: That's that's the brilliance of bosom buddies without the inconvenience of the drag.
2: Yeah, yeah. You can get all the misunderstandings without the discomfort about your own sexuality.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well this has been uh an episode and it happened
2: yeah this is i i definitively think this is the weakest episode of season nine which is saying a lot to your point earlier mm-hmm. um but i still find peppa very charming i like the punk rock bands i would have uh, you know i would happily have seen uh like a, a cop detective show encyclopedia brown style with her and andy solvent mysteries uh would be like uh <laughs> like remington steel <laughs> like a teenage remington steel
1: <laughs> and, and in boston yeah, yeah. oh no, no i'm sorry that's um that's that's spencer for hire spencer for hire yeah. god i mix up my my shit mm-hmm. sorry um so it just occurs to me that you know as listeners of your podcast for so long ken the wonderful tv guidance counselor oh, uh can you give us the sort of uh, mcdonald's tour of your punk rock career in your oh yeah in your youth. can you talk yeah, about your so, band and what you did sure uh, um so starting in the early 90s when
2: i was like 12 or 13 i used to go hang out at the rat or the wrath skeller but it's called the rat in kenmore square um would go see punk rock bands all the time i i hit puberty early so i was like six foot three and had sideburns um so no one checked i was
1: 12 yeah
2: yeah and and uh you know and i didn't drink so i didn't cause any problems so i would go to all these shows um and then they started a band in 95 and I was 15 and we started with bands like Dropkick Murphys and uh, bands like that and then we did fairly well weirdly um, and you know played with like The Offspring and The Mighty Mighty Boss Stones and Rancid and like these bands that were relatively popular at that time um, and did that till 1999 and then uh, the other four guys got sick of me and uh, we went to college and I uh, I started doing stand up instead <laughs> I started being funny on purpose or at least attempting to and what was your band called? We were called 30 seconds over Tokyo. Um and we put out uh one full length and a bunch of singles and then we recorded a second album that never came out.
1: And you've played cuts on your show yes. as well as interviews of you your younger self. Oh yes,
2: yeah, we were on we were on a lot of college radio at the time so I had uh, two interviews from Emerson college and one from MIT. Uh, so yeah, it's very strange to hear interviews with yourself when you're 15 through 17 uh, and you haven't yet figured out how to suppress
1: your Boston accent. <laughs> it's, it's young punk Boston, like literal <laughs> punk. Oh yeah. Kenry, not just punk music, but punk, like you, you, you were just there talking like this. And of course oh, yeah. all of us, our voices are so high. We were and, getting in
2: fights and, fighting neo-nazis with uh bats and you know all that kind of fun stuff
1: (laughs) and 30 seconds over tokyo is a reference to what uh well it's a movie starring spencer tracy but the
2: reference specifically for us was uh it's a song by the band perubu uh who later we started as been called rock from the tombs from uh cleveland and half of them became the dead boys in the 70s new york with stiv Baters, who's in polyester the uh john waters movie um oh. and the the other half became rock from the uh, i mean became perubu they had a song wow. called um final solution that was uh most people know our heart of darkness
1: <laughs> you have lived many
2: lives ken reed it's been very strange yeah uh very, very odd. Yeah. And then like a ton of people that I knew from that time became very famous musicians, which is strange, uh, or professional musicians, (laughs) which is how I got a lot of the musicians on my show. And, um, I know, like Josh Cater who did the theme song to my show is in a band called the smoking Popes, uh, who were very big in the nineties toured with Morrissey, um, as his opening act, uh, which did not go well for them. They got dropped from their major label, but, uh, Um, they're on the Clueless soundtrack. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, their their song "I uh, Need You Around" was uh, the lead single on the Clueless soundtrack. Um, Yeah, so that's how I kind of uh, one of the areas of people I mind to get episode to get guests when I first started the show. And no, how it's I got great. A lot of it's, it's
1: always fun when you have musicians on with you know a completely different perspective than say you know stand-ups or you get TV writers. You have you have a wonderfully diverse. Uh, amount of guests on your show, and you know, I've said a million times how much I love TV guidance counselor. How much it has inspired me these past four years plus. Now I've been doing this over four years. Goes by quick, Matthew. With me, most of the the journey here. And uh, and you've also been putting out the great shorts. You did your big thirty one days of shorts for Halloween. Yeah, I did a you half did a hour Thanksgiving special. special. For
2: Thanksgiving. Yeah, I've I've done less for Christmas. I, I might ramp that up again. Yeah, it's funny. I like Lexi Alexander, the director, basically bullied me into doing them for like TikTok stuff. <laughs> i
1: said mm-hmm. that in
2: a, in a nice way um and then <laughs> some of them yeah it's weird like they're a fair amount of work um and some of them get like thousands of views and some of them get like 30 um but they're kind
1: of fun to do well ken at this point we are we're digging into matthew's drink drinking time oh, so yeah. let's girl. get you drunk hmm, i love you but he's gonna start having the dts pretty soon fair enough so. what are
2: you, what's your, what's your gonna be your drink of choice as soon as we hang up
1: oh straight vodka
0: okay Mixers are for pussies.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's true in alcohol and dances.
1: Yeah. So Ken, thank you again so much for doing this lucky number seven. It was a terrific time and you have, we have not heard the last of you yet. We still have at least one, if not two, that I believe you expressed interest in doing. And I believe we will be able to offer you at a future time.
2: Well, I look forward to it. Thank you. It's always a pleasure. I always have fun doing this.
1: Always the pleasure is ours. Thank you so much, Ken smooches and goodbye. Bye. Thank you. He's so
0: handsome. (laughs) filters all filters six foot three
1: and worth the climb son of a bitch (laughs) and there you have it that was ken reed we have so much fun when he's here. He always has such interesting stories and knowledge and sidebars. And and let me tell you, the sidebars this this episode we, yeah, we haven't even scratched the surface. Uh, I got the show edited, and I was kind of shocked to find we have nearly a half hour of extras. <laughs> That's crazy for a (laughs) one-hour-and-twenty-something-minute podcast as it is. But uh, next week, we're going to be watching Season 9, Episode 18, called Less Than Perfect. You can watch the episode ahead of time for free at dailymotion.com. I will post the link in the show notes and on this episode's webpage. That is all for now. As always, guys, I am so, so appreciative that you are listening and tuning in. It means the world to me. So I cannot thank you enough. And also, remember, the facts of life are all about you.
0: Let's Face the Facts was created, produced, written, hosted, and edited by the wonderful David Almeida. Our theme song was beautifully arranged and recorded by Ned Wilkinson. Please visit facethefactspod.com for supplemental photos and videos, links to social media, and ways that you can support the show. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. This is Matthew Arder saying tune in again next week for another thrilling episode
1: of Let's Face the Facts.